Well, good morning. Oh, we can do better than that. Good morning. All right. As uh, Pastor Colin said, I'm Pastor Andrew, and I'm so honored to be here that Pastor Colin would share his pulpit with me um, as we get into the good stuff of God's Word. Um, every time I see that, it looks like a Nine Inch Nails video without the music. Um, for some of you that you don't even know who they are, but um, some of you do. Hey, um, Nehemiah chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. This is the good stuff. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to look at the entire chapter. And last week, uh, Pastor Hunter unfolded and unpacked the Word of God. And um, there was a lot of, it was like, have you ever gone into a place and they have those bricks when you, before you walk into the um, building or whatever, and it's all these people they gave money in memory of, or they put their name on it or whatever? That's what Nehemiah 3 is. It's like the bricks walking through the word of God of who built the wall. My favorite part is the daughters, where that guy, basically he repaired and he and his daughters he wasn't waiting for any sons. Maybe he didn't have any sons. And he's like, my girl's just as good as my, your sons. And um, so when you look at Nehemiah 3, you kind of see this piece of everybody's kind of doing their part. It's kind of the bricks. And now we get into Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're going to look at the external attack of those that are building the wall. Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn to one's at that, Tobiah and the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break it down, their stone wall. Verse 4, hear, O, hear, o our God, for we are despised. So it's a big shift. It goes from verse 3 to verse 4, hear, O our God, Nehemiah is now praying, for we are despised, turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Verse six, so we built a wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. 
Verse 10, in Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know till we see them come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in the open spaces, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes." Verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. Sounds like having a baby, right, Colin? With a baby all day, all night. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. We thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord God, that Your word says that it is a powerful and sharp double-edged sword and it divides between the soul and the spirit and the bone and the marrow. I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would take up the word and would teach us your word and use it to transform us and to change us, change the way that we think, change the way that we live, change the way that we feel. Lord God, that we would be followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. That we would fall more in love with your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, that we would not be hearers of the word only, but we'd be doers of your word. For all truth is your truth, God. And we ask, Lord God, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Nehemiah chapter four. I just want you to know I preached at Yorktown last week and I read chapter three, three services, much, much harder. 
much, much harder. Those names, I slaughtered them. Absolutely destroyed them if you want to read them. Hey, I want to give you some stats. Right now, we have a, a team of about 10 people that are in Georgia, the country, not the state. Some people were wondering. And um, they're actually doing some work with the 28 churches there. So I want you to encourage you to keep them in prayer. Missions is an important part. And I just want to share with you here at Coastal from January until October 1st, let me share with you what Coastal together, what we have done together in regards to missions. This year, we've given $60,000 to TTI, Timothy Training Initiative, to plant over 20 new churches. $60,000 to our local missions partners to help feed the peninsula, to help the hurting, to care for the widows. We gave $10,000 to renovate a blessing center in Jordan for the widows. In Hungary, we gave over $7,000 to help building a kids ministry in a church that had just launched with their renovations. In Zimbabwe, we gave $5,000 to help a new roof for a church that had lost it in a storm. We gave $1,000 to Haiti to help with school supplies. We gave over $5,000 in Poland to Betel Church to help their kids ministry and English camps that they were doing this summer. We gave $3,000 to help with buying a car for frontline chaplains in Ukraine to help minister during the war because they were riding bikes to go foxhole to foxhole and camp to camp. We gave over $13,000 to Ukraine pastors and churches in Ukraine to help with generators so that people could go and charge their cell phones to talk to their family on the front lines, food, supplies, and we did a kids camp to get them out of the missile siren zones so that they could not have to hear missile sirens in Kiev for a week. We gave over $3,000 to three churches that are helping with the Miramar refugees that are coming over because of the civil war there in Thailand at $6,000 to help with those orphans. We've helped plant 28 churches in the country of Georgia all the while, we started Williamsburg campus and adopted Battery Park in Smithfield. And that's just this year. Praise God. Yeah, absolutely. Why do I share that? I share that to say this. We are better together. And when we start going out, and establishing and working towards the kingdom of God, you know what happens? What happens is there's gonna be external attack. Just as Nehemiah decided that he was gonna rebuild this wall, so there was external attack that was coming. And in Nehemiah chapter four, you can see how that the attack came from the outside of those that had lived in the land, but it never, ever, ever, wanted to be a part of what God was doing there and rebuilding the kingdom. And so by means of intro, God's work would never be easy, but he promised that he would be with us. And so as Nehemiah, and you can see that as Nehemiah and the people of Israel are building it, they have a mind to work. I love those little passages of scripture there that give us these little insights I want to start off with this verse in Hebrews. There's a verse in Hebrews that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
And I do this with my children because they sometimes they feel alone when they're in bed before they go to bed at night. Dad, we, we know that God's with us, but we just need someone with skin. That's what they say. And so I pray with them at night and I, and I teach them this verse. And everybody hold up your hand. I'm gonna teach you a verse right now in Hebrews, right now. Five fingers, ready? I, everyone say it with me. I will never leave. And then you point to your heart, you. The Bible says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter how hard it gets in life, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard the, the, the opposition. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want to talk about fighting your anxiety before you fight the enemy. We have to defeat ourselves sometimes before we can defeat the external enemy. Because a lot of times when we hear the outside pressure that's coming in our lives, it starts to create anxiety, and we have all of this anxiety, and we're, we start fighting ourselves before we even begin to fight the external enemy. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And the anxiety starts to well up inside us, and we think, I don't know if I can do this. I'm hearing all of this outside stuff happening, and I don't know if I can do this. And Nehemiah 4 deals with this. You've got these people that are coming against them, and they're angry. If you're taking notes, the first movement that takes place is that the ungodly will oppose any vision for the kingdom of God. Any vision. They were mocked, they were threatened. Look what it says. He was angry. Sam Ballad was angry, greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers, what are these feeble Jews doing? See, it's interesting. This is the, this is the attack of the enemy, the first attack when you know you're doing something well. It's called ridicule. And ridicule is never based upon truth. It's only based upon personal attack. They can't win the argument. They can't stop the work. And so they ridicule. This is, a, this, is a, this is a real big tactic on social media. You know what I'm talking about? They make these little anonymous comments. My favorite are these emails that I get from these anonymous people. Where I hear all of these people saying this. And my response is, who? Who's saying that? Well, all these people. Well, who are they? No, that's ridicule. And the first attack that, that attacks our anxiety that we start feeling is that we start getting ridiculed and they're baseless attacks that come against us and all of a sudden we go, wait a second, and it just sets us uneasy. And we've got to come to the point where we've got to recognize that the ungodly have always been attacking any work that God has done for the kingdom. People are going to make fun well, I don't want to make fun of me. People are going to say things that are going to hurt you. They're going to make personal attacks. You know how I know? Because as a pastor, and I've been doing this for over 20 years, that I get attacked for things that I'm just like, okay. People come up to me and go, well, you're this and this and this and this. And I go, yeah, it's amazing. I totally am all of those things. And isn't it amazing that God uses me? He can use you too. 
Because the only thing good about me is Christ in me. The only great an awesome thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ and how the gospel changes and transforms people's lives. And as the gospel transforms us and movements towards the kingdom, like planting churches, making disciples, are going to bring outside attack. It's going to be ridicule. Feeble Jews. Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? They're mocking. He's mocking. He's yelling it at them. And I wish I could read some of this to you guys in the Hebrew and understand that basically he's cussing at them. Rubbish. The word rubbish. It's a cuss word. Burned ones at that when he's talking about the heaps of rubbish. And then they're saying that the wall is not going to work. It's going to be too weak. And a fox is going to go up on it and it'll break it down. And listen to Nehemiah's response. And this is important because the first movement is they've got to deal with their own anxiety. And the first thing that Nehemiah does, instead of lashing back or defending himself, what does he do? He goes right to prayer. And he comes, and he comes, he comes back with a really good prayer. It's like a, it's a difficult prayer. Hear, O oh God, for we are despised. We're the underdogs here, God. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they're captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of builders. Hey, I want to share with you a few years ago when I moved here to Virginia, there were, built, there were um, people that stole a bunch of my stuff. I hired movers and I moved them and I put them in crates because I'm thinking this is the best way. And one of the crates didn't show up and they go, what are you talking about? We only have five crates. Well, we had six and you could see that they had changed it. And they said, no, we delivered all five crates. And there was a whole crate of my stuff that didn't get accounted for, completely gone, poof. And it was the stuff with the television and the electronics and all the wealthy, all the stuff that really like mattered to my kids and to me, you know, was gone. It didn't arrive. And they go, no, 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 we only had five. And I was so angry. And my wife looked at me and she said, are we here to do the Lord's work? Did God call us here? I'm like, yes. And then this is what my wife said to me. And my wife, you have to understand, her name's Holly. I have the Holy Spirit in me and I have the Holly Spirit in my head. Okay, and so she's like, is God not sovereign? Did God not call us to come here? Yes, because I was going to sue them. I was going to lawyer up. I was going to take this and fight it. And my wife goes, whose stuff was it anyway? And I go, well, it, it, it was God's. She goes, so they stole God's stuff, Right? Yeah. She said, so then let God deal with it. And I prayed a prayer like this, God, get them. They took your stuff. They took your stuff, God. Don't let this, don't cover their guilt. Don't let their sin be blotted out from your sight. This company stole your stuff. Because here's the deal. 
First, I had to deal with my own anxiety. Oh, I've got to replace this stuff. I've got to buy this and nobody's going to ever do anything. Like, this is all on me. And, and I was fighting within myself. And the reality was this. If it all belongs to God, guess what? I don't need to worry about it. If the battle is the Lord's, I don't need to fight it. I just have to show up with my sword and my bow and my shield and the Lord will fight for me. A lot of times we're so quick to run because of our anxiety, then when what we should do is just stand. And that's the second thing. The second movement when opposition in building or accomplishing the vision that God wants to accomplish in building the kingdom is this pray, but take action. Using wisdom together. Now, why did I say using wisdom together? Pray, but take action using wisdom together. Because sometimes we don't know what God wants us to do. Sometimes we don't really have a specific chapter and verse for what God wants us to do. So what are we supposed to do? Let me share this with you. You're to walk in wisdom. And where does wisdom come from? Well, James 1.5, the Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom on a mask of God, he gives to all liberally. Now I hear this, I heard this all the time when I was young. And it used to make me so angry. We're not old enough to be wise. And my response was, no, the Bible says wisdom comes from God. It doesn't come from experience. I don't need experience to be wise. Listen to me. If you're here and you're under the age of 30, you don't need experience to make you wise. You need God to make you wise. Because wisdom comes from God. And so if you don't know what to do, you pray, you look for the chapter and verse that's not there, and then you say, God, help me to walk in wisdom. James 1.5. We have to pray, but we have to take action. We have to deal with our anxiety. We have to not be afraid and remember the Lord and what he's done. Ephesians well, we'll get there in a second. I'll use it at the end. I was going to use that in the first one, but I'm going to save that for the end. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. If you have your Bibles, turn over there. I want you to see this. If you're ever going there, it says Ephesians, Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you want to ever navigate through Paul's epistles, I learned this as a kid. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's, that's how you remember that. Anyway, all right. Ephesians chapter four. I was totally free. Ephesians chapter four. I'm sorry. Philippians chapter four. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. The apostle Paul's talking to the church in Philippi and he says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray, but take action. How do we take action as believers based upon this verse in Philippians 4? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer, that's the taking actions we pray, and 
supplication with thanksgiving, we thank God. Our weapon is being grateful. Grateful for the things that are happening to us or in the situation that we're in. No matter how dire it seems, no matter how anxious you are, are you praying and thanking God for it? Wait a second, I don't want to thank God for the bad stuff that's happening in my life. Let me share something with you. You ought to. Because that's where the peace of God is found. Which passes all understanding. See, Nehemiah, he prayed and they took action. Look at verse 6. So, they, so we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together because the people had a mind to work. We prayed and we built the wall. We weren't going to wait. And for us as Christians, when we're being attacked, when things are coming against us with this anxiety that we have to defeat in our life and in our soul, pray, but then start being thankful. I do this with my kids sometimes when they start complaining. Complaining, 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 complaining. I'm like, okay, listen, give me 10 things that you're thankful for. And my one son, he's nine, he's like, oh, I'm thankful for the oxygen. I'm thankful for the air. You already said that. It's the same. Okay, I'm thankful for food. I'm thankful for mommy. I'm thankful for God. And, they, and here's the deal. You know what happens? As he gets to 10, he starts realizing, oh, it's not as bad. Listen, church, I could take you on some missions trips with me to Ukraine, to some parts of Thailand and Miramar. And we could go into the garbage dump and we could see people that were living there. And we could be there and we could watch these children playing in the garbage. And this is where they live. And nobody cares about them. And they go to church. We've planted some churches in these areas and they go to church and what's amazing is they're the most joyful, happy, content individuals you've ever seen in your entire life. You know why? Because they look at their circumstances and they said, we have something to be thankful for because we're still alive and God has given us food today. Think about the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't say, give us this day, our daily, our daily bread. It doesn't say, give us this day, our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our monthly Costco run. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Have you thanked God just for today? I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm talking about today. And in the midst of this, they said, we're going to just build the wall today. We're just going to do our part today. We're going to pray, 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 and we're just going to do our part today. We're going to use the wisdom that God has given us. We're going to deal with our anxiety, and we're not going to be afraid. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Stop being afraid. Pray and be thankful your fear will dissipate. 
Your anxiety will dissipate. Look at verse 8 of Nehemiah chapter 4. And they all plotted together to come against, come and fight against Jerusalem to cause confusion. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. You want to know the, 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 the big idea verse of this chapter? That's it. Pray and set a guard. Third movement that we see is the ungodly. The first one was the ungodly will oppose any vision for the kingdom. Number two, pray but take action using wisdom. And number three, be prepared for battle. But don't stop doing what God has called you to do. Finish the task. No stoppage in the work. They didn't even take time to take their clothes off. It took 52 days to build it. Okay, that means they were in those clothes for 52 days. They must have been ripe. I mean, woo. I would have wanted to work over by the perfumers. If you were, if you were there last week, if you read Nehemiah 3, the perfumers build a section of the wall. That's where I would have wanted to be because then they could have like sprayed for the odor. But be prepared for battle. Don't stop doing what the Lord has called you to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, it's one of my favorite verses. The Apostle Paul, he writes 57 verses on the resurrection that Jesus really rose from the dead, church. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It's where we get the gospel for, the, for coastal. When we talk about the core facts of the gospel, Jesus is God, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, Jesus bodily rose from the dead. That verses three and four. At the very end in verse 58, he says, therefore, meaning because the first 57 verses are true, because Jesus bodily rose from the dead, therefore, be ye steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor is not in vain. Your studies aren't in vain. You getting up and feeding your baby in the middle of the night is not in vain. Your work is not in vain. Your getting up and going to work and providing for your family is not in vain. Your giving is not in vain. Your church is not in vain. The things that God has you to do that seem so empty and meaningless day after day after day after day. Let me share something with you. It's not in vain. Why? Because Jesus bodily rose from the dead. Not a belief, but an event. It's not a belief that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm not believing that. I'm saying that is an event, an actual event. And based upon that event of Jesus rising from the dead, therefore, my labor is not in vain. And neither is yours. Verse 17, those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that they labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. No one said it was going to be easy. Here's the thing about Christianity. If it was easy, everybody would be a Christian. If it was easy, the culture wouldn't attack us. 
If it was easy, and, and how do they attack us? They attack us with ridicule, baseless accusations. We have to finish the task and we have to pay the price together knowing this, that you're not alone. What's the church? Why do we connect with God in corporate worship on Sunday mornings? We connect with God in corporate worship on Sunday mornings is so that you recognize that as you're getting beat up during the week, there's a group of people that are in this together with you. You should feel less alone when you come here on Sunday mornings. Do you feel less alone by being here on Sunday mornings? You could totally get that anytime, right? Right there in the middle, man. Slide it out. It's awesome. We have to, that, that's what it is to come together and connect with God in corporate worship, that we have to be prepared to not stop doing the work. It's interesting. What's the work that God has called us to do? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It says, go and make disciples that we're to share the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. What do we do with the gospel? We repent of our sins. We believe this message of the gospel and we receive Christ into our lives. Making disciples begins with the gospel. Then we continue to grow Christians until they are reproducing themselves. What has God called us to do? What's the work that he's done? What's the work of our kingdom? The kingdom of God, and it's to make disciples. Very simple. I believe that one day we're gonna stand before God, all of us, as Christians, and God's gonna say, okay, I gave you a great commission to go and make disciples. Who are they and how many? It's really that simple. Because to make a disciple is not to teach them a Bible study or to give them knowledge. To make a disciple is for you to model what it is to live Christ-like in your life every moment of every day. To make a disciple is to have people into your home and say, yeah, this is how you raise your children. Yay, they need counseling. I know they do. To make a disciple is for you to look at someone and to say, follow me as I follow Christ. To make a disciple is the work that God has given to us. If you're here today and you're not in a small group, let me share something with you. Get in a small group. Because you're growing in community and small group, and out of that, those relationships that you have will come discipleship relationships where you will sharpen each other and encourage each other to be more authentic followers of Jesus Christ. I'm out of time. Don't want to read my conclusion. Opposition is not only, this is a quote from Warren Wearsby. Opposition is not only an evidence that God is blessing, but it is an also an opportunity for us to grow. The difficulties that come in the work brought out the best in Nehemiah and his people. Satan wanted to use these problems as weapons to destroy the work, but God used them 
as tools to build his people. John Calvin said, Satan's poison is turned to medicine for God's people. God works through all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, according to Romans 8. Opposition might be discouraging and frustrating in the moment, but we can trust that God is sovereign even over the schemes of the enemy. God took what appeared to be the greatest victory of Satan, the cross of Jesus Christ, and turned it into the ultimate victory for God's people. If God can redeem even the greatest act of opposition of all time, how much more can he work in and through the opposition in your life? But first, we have to deal with our anxiety. Second, we've got to stand facing the opposition every moment of every day by surrendering our struggles to the Lord and trust that he has good and wise purposes for having you walk through this. Take heart in the fact that in this world we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for prayer. As the worship team comes up, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God's doing some great things here at Coastal. And let me tell you something, and I can say this, my inbox is full for the last three weeks because of this endowment, because of the adoptions, because of this, with people that are coming against us. And the, the, the accusations and the attacks against us are not even, they don't have any base. They have no merit. You're growing too big, too fast. Someone said. Another person wrote, we need to take care of ourselves better as a church before we go out and worry about others. These are the attacks that I'm getting in my inbox. I could give it to you. God's doing some supernatural things. You are a part of it. And the question, church, is this. Are you going to grow weary in well-doing? Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person here. I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would grow us, conform us, make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, Lord God, right now, that there's anybody here that has never received you as Lord and Savior, that they've never experienced your grace and your mercy, that I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would just wash over them. They would feel your pulling. They would feel and know that you are the way, Lord Jesus. You are the truth and you are the life. And no one comes to the Father but by you. They would believe the gospel, receive the gospel by repenting of their sins and following you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so blessed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this church, Lord. Bless this church. Bless Pastor Colin. Bless Pastor Hunter. Lord God, bless 
every volunteer and worker, Lord God. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that this church would glorify you here in Williamsburg and in Virginia and in the United States and be an example to the world of what it is to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.